0: January 5th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daphmem Zayin Amud'alef. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are dedicated in loving memory of Rafael Ben Rachel, Ralph Gindi, and in memory of Ariet Ben Sara. We're here in on Daphmem Zayin Amud'alef, eight lines up before the lines get wide. And the Gemara is picking up on the next words in the Mishnah. The next words in the Mishnah say, Lo hayu kovrin If you recall, a person who was executed, who was first sentenced to death and then executed by the Beit Din, was not to be buried afterward in a regular uh, Beit Kevarot, in a regular cemetery. They would either be in the Beit Kevarot of the Niskalin Rafin, uh, of those who were stoned and those who were burnt, or alternatively, those who were neheragin uh, which means to say those who were strangled or uh, beheaded. We had two separate cemeteries based on the severity of the punishment. That was where they would be buried. says the Gemara, V'kolkach lama? Why uh, did we need two separate cemeteries? Why not bury in the regular cemetery? Have one cemetery for all of Am Yisrael, even those who were put to death by Beit Din. kovrin rasha' sadiq, says the Gemara. The reason is because... Not only is it inappropriate, but it's forbidden, apparently, to bury a rasha, a wicked person, whom these we can objectify as rasha, they were put to death by betin, we can determine with somewhat certainty that these are rasha, they're not allowed to be buried next to a Sadiq. De'amar Hanina. after all, we have a statement of rabi'acha barchanina, mina'in she'en kobrin rasha sadiq what's my remez, what's my simukhin in navi, that you're not allowed to bury your Rashad Isil Sadiq. Vaihihem Kobirim Ish. Vene ra'u Uta Gedud Vayashtiku Taish Bikhever Elisha Vayelh Vaiiga Haish Biasmot Elisha Vaihi Vayakum Al Rahlam. This is a paso, which is a little bit difficult and hard to understand in its full context, but you're dealing with a sheker, a person who was inappropriately acting, who's dead, who's put to death, who, excuse me, who dies. Uh, After he dies, they look, the people look to bury him as they open up a, 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 a burial plot And place this person in, again, a person whom they were determined and understood was a Navi Sheker. They place him in and his body touches, or his bones touch, his body touches the bones of Elisha. Elisha Hanavi, a righteous and great Navi from Sefer Melachim, is buried in that same area. This person is buried, he touches, his dead corpse touches the bones of Elisha. He gets up and steps outside of the grave. So the understanding already of the Gemara is, what's that? Nope, this person steps out. The understanding of the Gemara already is the reason that that happened is because he couldn't have been buried together with Elisha. Had he been buried together with Elisha, you'd be putting a Rasha, Nabi Shekin, together with a Sadiq, with Elisha. That's the understanding. That's the interpretation. I mean, it's pretty clear he was a Rasha from the text. You're saying that's why he's brought back to life. Well, says maybe the uh, maybe. And the Gemara. Ultimately speaking, just a few lines will tell us he didn't live that much longer. So if he didn't live that, what's that? He just moved over a bit. So that being the case, we we are determined and we understand that he was a, uh, a rasha. It says the Gemara, of Papa ikayuma. Uh, perhaps the reason that this happened was in order to fulfill something else. In other words, it wasn't because Arashah can't be together with a tzaddik. Perhaps he could have been buried together with Elisha. However, there needed to be a fulfillment of something else, which we'll read about right now. And it's for that reason that the person is brought back to life. What is that other thing, that other uh, uh, uh entity that needed to be fulfilled. Vaihikha of Ram, the Pasux says Veliyawa Mare El Elisha Shealma Eeselah, Betere Melakah, Vayoma Elisha, Vihina Pishe Naim, Be Ruhacha Eli. Elisha requests and is granted by his mentor, his teacher Eliyahu, that he'll get double Ruhacha, double the abilities in Ruach in spirit of Eliyahu. If he's to see Eliyahu taken from this world, Eliyahu is promising him through the request of Elisha that he'll get double capabilities. Double capabilities. am of what? I mean, what are we dealing with? The understanding is that he had the double capabilities to resurrect dead. Eliyahu did it once in his life. And we also know about one doing in the life of Elisha. That's with the bin of the Isha Shunamit. Which means to say it was necessary based on the promise of Eliyahu to Elisha that he have a second resurrection of the dead in his lifetime or after his lifetime. And as a result, although Elisha didn't do this during his lifetime, and although we're dealing with the body of of a wicked person, the fact that he's resurrected is only as a fulfillment for Elisha that he'd be able to resurrect too. Says the Gemara, Wait a second. If this is truly a fulfillment of, well, Elisha needs to have double capabilities of Eliyahu. He needs the Pishenayim, and as a result, that's why this Navi Sheker's corpse, which was placed in the grave, is resurrected, and not because of what we were suggesting initially, that it's in order to make certain that a Rasha and a Tzadik aren't buried together the beraitah tells us that he didn't make it anywhere he got up he uh, walks and he doesn't even make it home he's just buried a little bit over away from Elisha so clearly this was not much of a resurrection the fact that Elisha has that capability perhaps from the grave to bring bring back life, is not uh, his strength, his double strength of Eliyahu, it says the Gemara, so, so suggest the Gemara, okay, we got it. So yeah, the reason that he's resurrected is for what we suggested initially, that Rasha and Tzaddi can't be buried together, and as a result, the reason that, again, just putting it all together, I know it's a little bit strange, and, out of left field, if you're not familiar with this. But again, you have this Navishek who's buried. He's buried, he touches the bones of Elisha, and he's resurrected. The Gemara says, Aha, you see, Sadiq and Rasha cannot and should not be buried together to the extent that we'll resurrect him to get him out of the way. Great. Gemara challenged that. Said so maybe the reason he was resurrected was just in order to show the capabilities of Elisha. Elisha needs to be able to exert his energies, his strength, his ruach, which is pishenayim of Says so Gemara, that wouldn't have showed it because ultimately speaking, the guy's not walking around. It's not as if Elisha truly and fully resurrects him. Great, so now I'm just uh, loose ends. Are you filled out for me? I got my source that Rasha and Sadiq can't be buried together. How do I know that Elisha actually gains, achieves the capability of having double the Achievements, the capabilities of Eliyahu. You can't tell me because he resurrected twice. This isn't a second resurrection, it's just a walking around for a moment or two. The to that's the point. Well, that's the point. It's not a real resurrection. That's, that's exactly the point. So we need now a resurrection that, that's real. But it's less a resurrection, it's more just get him out of the way. Resurrection, when we're talking about metim, we're talking about real metim. So the Gemara needs a real You have it with the son of the Isha Shunamit, who of course Elisha fully cures and brings back to life as per the text. But that being the case, I mean, you don't have one over here. So that's the Gemara. That the way, the Gemara is, keep in mind, the Gemara is, cert- oh, oh you're, you're saying it's different than our Mishnah? Our Mishnah has that they can't be in the same cemetery. You're saying all you have is in the absolute same grave. I hear you. I hear you. the Gemara won't make such a distinction. The Gemara thinks, uh, why would you distinguish if they're right next to each other or they're one on untu- top, one or touching one another? Uh, ultimately, speak especially in Israel, if they're under the ground and there's some movement of the ground, they might come to be touching one another. And obviously, not you don't have coffins. <laughs> Says the Gemara, Amar le so Ochanan, hechim mishpach mishkachad la deahaya. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, where do you find another resurrection, another tehiyat ametim, in the life or after the life of Elisha? Amar le Rabbi Ochanan, sheri'pa sarat na'aman. We have a circumstance in which Elisha brings refuah to the Sarat, the leprosy of Naaman. Naaman was the general of Aram. And in his time, long story short, he makes his way in an interesting fashion to Elisha. He wants to be cured for his Sarat. And Elisha tells him, you have to dip in uh, what's the Yardin? seven times and Naaman initially is not interested in hearing it. He says we have many rivers where I come from, many places that I could dip myself in and it's not old, its not going to save me, it's not going to change my leprosy, it's not going to heal me. Elisha is adamant, ultimately speaking Naaman attempts it and tries it and he's cured from his Sarat and it's a big kiddush Hashem, Naaman to the extent that he then wants to well, follow Elisha in certain ways. Well that being the case, says the Gemara, that's the resurrection. That's a resurrection? Come on. That's just sarat. Sarat isn't life and death. It's chol mitah. How's it kemet? You have a proof that shakul, of course, means it's weighted. It's equivalent in its weight and its severity to death. Sarat and mitah are the same. Dichtiv. after all, the pasuk says in the context of Aharon, pleading with Moshe, the end of parashat, behaalotecha, Miriam and Aharon speak Lashon Hara about Moshe. Miriam is Mesorat Kashalik. She becomes white with leprosy. Aharon turns to Moshe and says to him, Al na Says, please do not be like dead. Now there are different interpretations to this basuk. Our Gemara's interpretation is don't allow for your sister, Miriam, to be dead. And as a result, we see that he's describing Miriam, who's Misora, who has Sarat, as if she's deceased, as if she's dead. In turn, Naaman, who has the Sarat, is as if he's dead as well. And therefore, Elisha's ability to cure the Sarat of Naaman, well, that's his pishenaim. That's his double resurrection of Eliyahu, who only has one techiyatamitim. Why should sarat be Kamet? Well, first and foremost, it is an affliction, so it's almost like a a living dead. But furthermore, sarat, according to the laws of the Torah. And according to the procedures and ways of people and societies once upon a time, you had your leper camps, which means to say you sent them out, being outside of society, being disassociated, mandated to be a hermit and separated from everyone else, that is a death sentence. You're not able to engage with society, not able to be sociable, not able to be together with other people. Can't be that in the eyes, you can't be married, can't, you can't be involved in society, not being involved in society. Mars, I'll tell your wife you said that, very nice. Your wife gives you life, beautiful. That's but a- it's, it's just as if... You're not hearing my poetry, I'm giving you poetry for understanding it. The understanding is, first and foremost, look at the Pasuk Aharon describes, according to the Hakamim's understanding, Miriam as Kameh. So first and foremost, he describes her as that. Furthermore, the Gemara Masechet Moed Katan likens one, says there are several whom we consider like dead. Kivyechol, it's almost a portion of death. You're right, it's not an absolute death, but it's a portion of death. The fact that you can't engage in social and societal norms is is a partial death. The fact that Elisha knows how to heal that, that's his ability of pishe Uh, of Eliyahu, how else do you read this pasu? Parenthetically, I told you this is the way the Hachamim are reading it. The other way to read it, if I'm not mistaken, Unkelous interprets this way, you have to check me on that. But the Mefashim debate this at the end of Parashat. The question is, who's the Met? Maybe you, Moshe, don't be like a dead person, don't keep quiet. A quiet person is a dead, well, a dead person is certainly quiet. Aharon is pleading with Moshe and says, please, you should not be like a dead person over here. Open your mouth and request from God otherwise. Not the way our Gemara is reading it. Okay, continues the Gemara. And you should know, furthermore, not only do we not place a Rasha, a wicked person, next to a Sadiq, a righteous person, in their burial plots, kach Rasha hamur, Rasha k'al. As our Mishnah told us, there were two separate bet din bet kevarot, bate kevarot. One was for the niskalin and the nisrafin, for the higher, more severe level death penalties. Niskalin stoning, nisrafin burnt, those are the higher penalties over there, you place those sorts of people. And then you had the neheragin and the nehnakin, those who were put to death from uh, Herig, Saif, and those who were put to death from Hennig, from strangulation. They had a separate one. So Where'd you come up with that one? I get a beautiful pasuk, nice interpretation, uh, Elisha, the, the body had to come alive so it's not together with him in the same grave. But how do you know you have two separate ones in terms of severity? You have the wicked ones, maybe place them all together. We have uh, uh, grades in, uh, in wickedness, it says the Gemara Vilitkun. by extension, if you tell me we go based on severity, arba kevarot, I don't understand. You're making, if you're telling me that we go based on grades and you got that from somewhere, so then you should have four separate grades we have four mitot betin sekidah serifa, hereg Hayenek, have four separate bate kevarot for each one of those who are sentenced to death by the betin answers so the gemara sheneke varot varot says the gemara where did we come up with that gemara Gemirala gemirela if the death you also were a form of they continue to be separated ostracized right so what We'll see it in either today or tomorrow. In the suing lines of the Gemara, it's not only the death itself. The assumption is it's the death together with the burial. And not even the immediate burial, it's the burial and perhaps the decomposition of the body. The kapara, the Gemara, is going to assume and suggest is not immediately achieved upon death. The Gemara will struggle with this. Jared's not here. Jared was bothered by that yesterday. How are we determining kapara? It's for that reason we have so many sefeikot. But it's clear in the Gemara it's not the death itself. It'll become a big debate in terms of... So you have to argue; it's only a part of it, but uh, as well, that's for those who are uh, who died regular deaths. Here we're dealing with mitot betin. they might need something additional. You might say to me, but the mitah itself gave them the kapara. Apparently not. uh, Keep in mind, of course. Keep in mind, the Mishnah said to us as well that you couldn't move the bones until after the decomposition of the body. She explained. She explained for the kapara; that's that's when it's more complete, at the very least. There are similarities. You don't use para aduma, but there are similarities. Again, there are certain ways that it's more severe. Sarat is outside of the machaneh You could be in the machaneh. You just can't There's be so involved. Much is a guy that has sarah, Is he coming? And has to a, a different, a, a much lower level to my... Head. Yeah. It says the Gemara, so where would you come up with two cemeteries? answers the Gemara, Gemara Gemirela. Gemara, of course, is what we're learning. Gemara means to learn always. In this context, when the Gemara uses those words, it means it's halachal we learned this by tradition. Gemara Gemirela, men halachal Moshe which means to say, oh, we don't have sourcing for that. We have sourcing, or we have a remes, we have some sort of hint in the text that a rasha can't be together with a tzaddik. How do you know two cemeteries? Tradition. Where do you get that tradition from? What we call Halachal Moshe Harambam in his Berusha Mishnayot says there are really, we, we, I speak about all of us, we, when we talk about these sorts of concepts, we call it all Halachal Moshe Misinayi. traditional Halachal Moshe So says Harambam. It's a little bit different than that. You have different types of tradition. You have Halachal Moshe Sinai which means it has no grounding in the text like this one. There's no pasuk you can point to and say two cemeteries. Oh, you have many others of, along those lines and then you have what's called Perush Mekubal Mim Moshe Perush Mekubal Moshe Rabenu is just as strong if not stronger and what that is says Haram Bahamur Perushim HaMekubalim Mim Moshe for example, how do you know when the Torah says Peri Etzadar, it's a reference to an Etrog Peri Etzadar, however you translate the words seems to be referring to some sort of exotic, beautiful fruit how do you know it's an Etrog and maybe I can interpret it differently Perush tradition, in other words, that tradition is how to interpret the words in the pasuk, it's a perush and the perush is accepted and there can't be and there will not be any debates how do I know an eye for an eye means mamon, means paying money Perush people sometimes throw it in it's a misnomer, it's referring to when something's not at all in the Torah so there are many other examples for that it's not that you're defining words in the Torah it's, you're giving a law which is nowhere found in the Torah there's no reference there's no semich like this one over here it says the Gemara onward to Avotav yes right that's what Judah was asking just a moment ago there's an atonement there's a kapara at a specific juncture the Gemara will tease it out a bit in the next few in the next uh, passage never fully clear as you can imagine but certainly their assumption is at a certain stage maybe when the body decomposes you finally achieved it there is a kapara of course as I as I said to Judah just a moment ago you put the person to death we're always imagining those I mean it talks about the four the ways of achieving atonement and some of them are the ones who need to be put to death so you assume by being put to death Part of the process. That's what you have to argue. Something along those lines. And keep in mind, they did a vidui before their death as well. You know, we really were. Keep in mind as well, we're not God, so we're trying to figure this out without explicit um, you know, directions on it. Says the Gemara, all right, listen, I'm going to take you in a different direction, this is my explanation to the Gemara, but I'm going to bring it back, I'm going to reel you back in after you get involved enough and in how this is relevant to our Sukhya. So in other words, we're about to now uh, to endeavor onto a journey, which, uh, of course, the first seven, eight, maybe ten lines, we're not going to have any understanding the relevance to what it has to do with our Mishnah. It'll ultimately speak, it'll have a lot to do with our Mishnah, but it really will seem like it's completely out of left field. Amar Ula, Amar Achal If a person ate Helev. Helev is the forbidden fats in animals, which the Torah says you get karet if you eat it bimezid, if you do it purposefully. If you did it accidentally, you bring a korban hatat. Well, that's a pretty severe thing. Ve'hifrish korban. And after eating halev, accidentally, you were Mafrish, you separated korban hatat, your animal, in order to sacrifice it as the requisite korban hatat for your sin offering. Vehemir dato. And in the interim, before sacrificing it, you went to another religion, you gave up on Judaism, on emunah Hashem, and you, uh, you scoff at true avodat Hashem, kam oved avodat Zara, vehazar But then you change your mind again. I don't know, so you, you took out your korban, not you, someone took their korban, then they go and they become baptized and they uh, drink the waters of Christianity. And then a few weeks later, a few months later, a few, I don't know, the animal's still alive, a few years later, they awaken awaken to the truth that was lying at their doorstep all along, and they return to Judaism. But they have that animal. Can they now sacrifice that animal? This is what we call dihuy esel korbanot. The Gemara in several places talks about this concept known as dihuy, abudazara, masekhitzuka, and many other places. Dihuy is a reference to it's pushed aside. At the moment that this person becomes oved abudazara, this animal is pushed aside it's no longer relevant to sacrifice within our mikdash he's not able to bring it it's completely invalidated but now he wants to resurrect not himself but resurrect the animal after resurrecting himself is the animal now able to be sacrificed once the animal was out it can no longer be um, brought back once it's pushed out it can never be brought back Who said a person who's hamir d'atto can't bring a korban? The Gemara elsewhere Rashi cites it as Doreshit from a pasuk. The pasuk uses the words am which of course sounds degrading. In this context, it means from the nations of the land. Means one of us. Uh, That's a person who's able to bring the korban, not someone else. All right. Says the Gemara. What's that? Of course, he could bring a new one now. No, he's uh, he's an okay guy, but that animal out. Right. So. What do they do with that animal? No, 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 no. that animal is off-bounds. That animal needs If You have to kill that animal without directly killing it. So you move it into a small area, you feed it barley of some sort or another until its body really... You know, the words of the Gemara, if I'm not mistaken, are that it bursts. but the point is you actually kill it. Wow. You kill it indirectly. You put it in an area where it can't really move That's around, doesn't get the exercise. What's that? That's without slaughtering, without touching it, really. Right, you have to find a way to deal with that. It's an interesting question. I'll tell you no, because you'll see. You'll see we are a different answer in a, in a second. But it's, it's a clever direction, nonetheless. The Gemara that Solomon wants to know is eating the Halif What brought him to Hamarat thatto? And the reason he might be referring to is the Gemara elsewhere, Masechet Hudin talks about something which is. Hard for some, it took me a long time to wrap my head around the reality over here because we're dealing with metaphysical reality. The Givara talks about something called Timtum Haliv. Timtum Alev literally means the contamination of the heart, of the soul, of the mind, and the Gemara suggests that even in circumstances where you don't know what you're eating, you don't even realize what you're eating, so it's not a purposeful, it's not even a conscious uh, eating of something that's inappropriate. There could and is even be honest a reality of Timtum Halev. Something within your metaphysical uh, composition has changed. So Solomon, as a result, suggests this is that why we're dealing with. He uh, was Haymir Dato. It's not, and we're just giving it as. theoretical, but it might be, no, it's just taking. it's giving an example, because you see it gives another example afterwards. But uh, you know, for example, you know, along those lines, just in terms of the, as a theoretical, it's less theoretical. In Muncie, maybe it was, was it ten years ago, there was uh, one of the one of the butchers uh, was giving non-kosher meat. Now, of course, everybody needed to get new utensils and all sorts of stuff like that. The question was, and the answer was yes: Do they all need to do tishubat? Tishubat? What would we do? We bought glad kosher meat. We weren't eating this purposefully. What's the reason for fault? The reason for fault? is connect myself to God. I had the intention. I was doing it all the right way. Timtum Halev, it's a scary thought, it's a scary thought that there are at least the Gemara, it's not even Kabbalistic words, the Gemara says there's something called Timtum Halev, in the context of specifically eating, but it might apply in other circumstances, in which you don't realize at all what you're doing, almost mit'asek, and there's something that's changed, alright, longer conversation another time, but says the Gemara, I have another example for you, Itmar Similar statement, and also in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Amar bi-Yirmiya, Amar bi Avau, Amar bi-Yohanan, akhal chilev, person that same forbidden fat, bishogeg, ve'ifrish korban, and then he separates the animal to sacrifice. ta. instead of Dato, I, I, I was going to say, here's the, the proof against you, Solomon, but I feel like you'll say, no, 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 it makes you go crazy as well, and he loses his mind. Whatever, he loses his mind. He's not able to think cogently any longer. Rashi cites the pasuk. Pasuk says, Lirsono, you need a sacrifice. Lirsono, with your full will. If you lost your mind, if you're no longer thinking cogently and, and coherently, so it's not Lirsono any longer, and as a result, your animal is invalidated. That's called Dihui. Again, you have Kasher, you have dahu, Dihui, it was pushed aside. V'nishetafa and then he goes to the mental asylum, or then he gets the meds uh, assigned to him, or then whatever, something clicks, or he has a moment of cogency again, and he's thinking clearly again. Can he now sacrifice that animal? No. Ho'il Says the Gemara, Rabbi Ohanan's statement is identical. Once it was pushed aside, pushed out of availability as korban, it's no longer. Says the Gemara, why do you need two examples? Rabbi Yochanan, suffice with one. Question? Suffice with one. Once you told me Hemir Dato, sufficient. You told me he's no longer able to bring the sacrifice because he's no longer a believer in God. Chalas. Well, it's the same thing as, nishti, uh, as uh, Nishtata. No, he, he, he it's not, uh, not. Ultimately speaking, within the confines of our law system, both of them are Nidha. So, yeah, that's, that's irrespective of how this cup was pushed off the table, whether it was accidental with my arm like this, or my hand like this, ultimately speaking, the Cup is off the table. If you tell me that it's in, it's here for me now to pick the cup up and put it on the table and drink from it. Better yet, there was food on the table. I pushed it off either accidentally with my arm or accidentally with uh, my body. When the, uh, you tell me it's inappropriate to then put it back on the table, who cares how it got pushed off? Got pushed off because he was hamir dato. Got pushed off because he was nish Ultimately speaking, the animal got pushed off. It's no longer appropriate, says the Gemara. You're right, Morris. Usiricha. Come on. It was necessary for Rabbi Yohanan to teach us both because you would have been mistaken had he taught you only one. It means each one of them is going to have a, uh, some, some sort of strength and some sort of weakness, in which case you'll look at each one of these and say, I couldn't understand the other from it. Baba <laughs> Kama means the first gate. Kamaita means the first. Had Rabbi Yohanan just taught us his first first statement what was his first statement Dato mishum I would have said the reason over there it's and it doesn't come back is that person I think this was the direction Mars was going in over there the guy made a decision <coughs> to not be a believer any longer. This was not something that just had happen to him. He made a decision. I looked at this cup, and I pushed it off the table. I'm sorry. It's inappropriate. Now, you showed us all that this cup was worthless to you. You can't now pick it up and drink it in front of us. That's inappropriate. No, but I changed my mind. But you did it. It wasn't accidental. It was purposeful. In such a circumstance, this situation where he fell excuse me, where he lost his mind, where it happened happened out of his control, I could and would suggest he's as if he's sleeping, and in such a circumstance, I should argue, that it's therefore kosher when he quote-unquote wakes up. Is a sleeping person invalidated for a sacrifice? It's a it here in our Gemara between Rashi and Tosafot. When all the dust settles for our purposes, it doesn't make much of a difference because the Gemara is bringing it as a, an example. The Gemara says, just like the sleeping person, we say when he wakes up, you don't assume that his Qurban was invalidated Okay, so so too over here, so that's the only question. The question is, can you sacrifice it for him while he's sleeping, or do you sacrifice it for him only after he woke up and his sleeping didn't invalidate it? It gets into a conversation, whatever, in another context, on, on Sukkot, if a person is sleeping, uh, whatever, another, another time, another, another if a person falls asleep outside of the Sukkah, there's a debate in the post scheme, must you wake them up? assuming you're living in a place where everybody spends all their time in the sukkah, this is monk's Israeli poskim, do you need to wake them up in order to get them into the sukkah? And on the one hand, well, of course, he's supposed to be sleeping in the sukkah. On the other hand, the person's sleeping right now, so he's kind of out of the he's out of the norm. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach, who is usually a very sensitive person, so you have to wake him up. Ham Yosef, and his sons disagreed with him. Anyway, that being the case, says the Gemara, if you just mentioned to me the circumstance and the situation of nishtatah, of where he lost his mind, excuse me of Hamirdatov of where he went against the God. So over there I would say over there, hui. he purposefully pushed the cup off the table. you can't pick it up and now drink from it. but if you if you gave me the case of nishtata, so then just give me the case of uh, of, uh, of where he lost his mind. It was out of his capability. I accidentally pushed the cup off the table, accidentally pushed it off, and you can't bring it on? Of course, if you did it on purpose, why didn't you just teach me the second one? We always have this sort of, says the Gimaravi ha and if you taught me here, meaning the second case of where he lost his mind, not Hamir to Mishum de Enbiado Hazor. Ultimately speaking, all the meds and all the mental asylums and all the prayers is not really in my full control to restore my mind. It's a bunch out of my control. There's a lot of other factors. There's a lot of other energies that are in in control of my mind. And as a result, the claim could and would be if I just taught you, if Rabbi Yochanan just taught you, he was Hifrish Korban. He was nishtata, he lost his mind. He can't be hozer makriv. You would say the reason is because you never know if he'll get it back. It's out of his control. We can't talk to him and coax him back into this. He's out of brain control. He's not thinking cogently. In the circumstance of he went baptized, you say there's always a chance. Well, this is in his control. In that situation, I could have made the counter-argument and said, perhaps if you just mentioned where he lost his mind, I would have said eh, if he went to uh, another religion, if he's thinking differently, over there it's never lost. We can always talk him back into it. It's just the stage. That's the Hazor. <laughs> but Sham over there in the first case where he was ultimately speaking, it is in his control to restore himself. It might take some convincing. It might make Take, take uh, some good restless nights of him thinking it through. I would have perhaps said, it's never considered Dihui. He's always a Jew. He's Israel. We saw it in the Gemara. And he's Israel in his heart of hearts. And he's going to come back. Perhaps I would have said in that circumstance, it's never Dihui. Siricha says the Gemarats for that reason that Rabbi Yochanan needed to teach us both of these circumstances. So we didn't get up to the relevancy in our Gemara, but we introduced it. So again, what did we talk about today? First and foremost, we talked about the Rasha and the Tzadik not being buried next to one another we got it from a pasup by the bones of Elisha and this Navi sheke. The Gemara questions, so then what do you have two cemeteries for? Make four cemeteries. Answer, Gemara Gemirela. Then the Gemara went on to this concept of Dihui. If it's you Meprisho Korban, it was Nidha. Why was it Nidha? We gave one of two reasons, either Dato or alternatively Nishtata. In that circumstance, Eno ho Ho'il V'Nidha since it was pushed off. Nidha, it can't come back. Says so the Gemara, why doesn't necessary to teach each of those answered the Gemara each one of the circumstances has a reason that you would have said is particular to it as opposed to the other it's making clear to us irrespective of the details of why it was and how it could come back or if it can come back the Gemara of course will challenge this and ultimately speaking when all the dust settles bring a proof from it from of all places our Mishnah Amen Amen